So a very happy and blessed Christmas to each of you. I hope it truly was a happy and blessed celebration for you with gatherings of family or friends and gift giving and feasting and all those Christmas cards too. Did you get through all those cards at your house? <laughs> we give them, we receive them, and they're a way that we convey what's in our hearts to people we love and care about at this holiday time. And sometimes it's the only time we hear in the entire year from, from people. Otherwise, we are not in touch with them. But did you get your Christmas card from Prince William? Not Prince William County, but the Prince William. Prince Harry? No? Well, me neither, so that's how it goes. The British royals do send out official Christmas cards, though, this year. And uh, as I learned online, uh, the one is of Prince William and his growing family, his wife, his two young children. But not to be outdone, bachelor Prince Harry sent out his own Christmas card also. It's a photo from what he terms one of his favorite moments from 2015. The image shows the 31-year-old prince grasping hands with 95-year-old war veteran Tom Neal. Prince Harry met the pilot, Tom Neal, at the 75th anniversary celebration of the Battle of Britain on September 15, 2015. But you see, it is William, not Harry, who's first born. And that means everything with who will one day reign as monarch of Great Britain. We hear about what it means to be first born in those scripture lessons today, both Old Testament and gospel lesson for today, and how Jesus as the firstborn child of Mary and Joseph is presented there at the temple in Jerusalem. And so that Advent theme for preaching that we've been focusing on, the King is coming, I want to extend just a little bit further to today as we rejoice in in Jesus, our firstborn king who has come. And that's then the theme for the message today, the firstborn king. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. Let's take a look first at that Old Testament reading for today because it gives context and provides background to the gospel lesson. You can uh, take out your worship bulletin if you like and uh, look at that Old Testament lesson as we wend our way through this. Soon after delivering his uh, chosen people from 400 years of slavery in Egypt, the Lord God commanded that the firstborn of both man and beast were to be his. That's what we hear in that Old Testament lesson for today. Beasts were to be sacrificed or redeemed, and firstborn male children were to be specially set apart for service to the Lord. But then sometime later, not long after this pronouncement though, the Lord declared that 
something different was going to happen. And instead of all of the firstborn male children, he would instead take the whole tribe of Levi. And they would be specially dedicated to the service of the Lord. And so while male children, the firstborn, were no longer being set aside for service to God, the, the principle was upheld that every firstborn really belonged to the Lord. And a payment was required in order to redeem that child from this special service, we're told, in the book of Numbers. And that price was five shekels. And in today's money, that'd be about $2.50. May not seem like much to us today, but at the time, it would have been a rather substantial sum. And the purpose of all this, the purpose of it all was to remind God's chosen people, the children of Israel, that they belonged to the Lord that they were dependent upon him. They were to remember what God had done for them, how he had delivered them with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, and they were to teach this to the next generation. And so when a youngster would ask that good Lutheran question, what does this mean? Right there in the catechism, there it is. What does this mean? This provided a springboard for that teachable moment. You shall say to him, by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. This was to be a memorial, a living witness of what the Lord had done for his people. Now, fast forward countless generations to what we have in the gospel lesson for today, as Mary and Joseph enter into the temple at Jerusalem, bearing their firstborn infant son. Now, they did not live in Jerusalem. Their home was up north in Nazareth of Galilee. So they trekked all the way down to come to Jerusalem, to the house of the Lord there, to do what the law of Moses required. And this gives us a good picture of the faith and the practice and the piety of this couple, Mary and Joseph. And it's here, after fulfilling what the law of the Lord required at the temple, that Joseph and Mary encounter two of God's eldest children, Simeon and Anna. And it's Simeon and Anna who recognize who this firstborn king is. They get it. 
And Simeon bursts forth into song. Lord, now you let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of every people, a light to give revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Do those words sound familiar? They do indeed. We still sing Simeon's song of praise today in worship. It is one of our post-communion canticles that we sing after the Lord's Supper is finished. And that's our prayer also, that having received the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, that we, like Simeon, we can now go in peace, for God's Word has been fulfilled. Simeon's joy, Anna's joy, our joy, it's all in that tiny firstborn king depicted over there at that manger scene because it's in him that the salvation of God has been revealed in the sight of every people. This is Jesus, true God, true man, born of Mary, who came to fulfill all that that law of Moses required perfectly in your behalf and mine. He came to do what we could never do, to live that, that life of perfect obedience to the Father's will and this is where the great exchange takes place. Jesus gives his perfection, his sinlessness, his righteousness for our imperfection, for our sin, for our unrighteousness. Doesn't sound like much of a deal for Jesus, does it? But you see, that's the kind of king we have who takes what is ours and gives what is his. This isn't something we can purchase or barter or, or buy with money. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work with uh, a, a merit system either where scoring brownie points, racking up meritorious living, that somehow that's going to assure us of getting in good with God. No, all of this comes as a gift. Jesus' Christmas gift to you and to me, and it is received only through faith in this tiny firstborn king. A king who loved you so much that he would step away from his heavenly throne and enter into our broken, sorry, messed up world for us all. Now, what is our response to all of this? 
Now, what do we do with this good news of great joy that is for all the people as the angel announced to the shepherds on that first Christmas night? Where do we go with this? Do we just kind of sit on it and twiddle our thumbs till Jesus comes again? I can think of no better description of what we are called to do and what this response looks like than how Paul describes it in that epistle lesson for today. Colossians chapter 3. Take that out. Follow along with me as I read through this and realize this is Christ, our newborn King, at work in our lives today. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I love that little three uh, word sentence, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. So as we seek to join Jesus on his mission, lives that look like this, lives that are filled with compassionate hearts, with kindness, with humility and meekness and patience, lives that bear with one another, that forgive one another, that are rooted in love and God's own peace, these will be a magnet to the people around us as we reflect and show forth in our words and our actions, this firstborn king. People will see this at work in our lives, and they will note something is unique, something different here that you don't see every day, and they will want it for their lives also. And that is something only God can give. And that is when we, like Anna in the temple at Jerusalem, that is when we will speak of him, our firstborn king, to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem and our redemption as well in him who is our firstborn king. Thanks be to God. 
Amen.